Welcome to Cooper Talk. I'm your host, Steve Cooper. And remember, I'm only as hip as my guest. And I have to tell you something, people. I don't know if you have HBO, but if you have HBO, you have to watch this show called The Jinx. Okay, it's a, it's a six-part miniseries. It's about Robert Durst. And if you're not familiar, he allegedly murdered his first wife. She disappeared. Then came out to L.A. and allegedly shot a woman in the head who was going to turn on him. And then went to Texas where he was dressed as a uh, woman a mute woman so no one would recognize him and he killed his neighbor and now this is the best he claimed self-defense but he actually decapitated his neighbor and cut him up but you got to watch the show because it's so fascinating and this guy is honestly like when you look at it you don't know how a jury could be on his side because he's the biggest worm whenever he talks he blinks he blinks his eyes and he always talks like this he sounds like gilbert gottfried and woody on he's like well of course i of course i wanted to get the money I, i'm not gonna call collect so just the guy you'll watch it and you'll die and you just you hate the guy but then you're sitting there going this guy is so brilliant because he's guilty and he's got out of his stuff all this thing so anyway if you have hbo watch the jinx you'll like it now you're from new york so do you remember this case or i don't i don't but it's fun watching well, my guess is it. paul my guess is paul ben victor sorry yeah i thought I, the, thank you <laughs> i didn't say your name i, I was sitting there because i want I, I wanted to go straight to talking because i know you're from new york so yeah. I, if you follow the new york stuff it was years ago he did this in new york because his parents were this huge uh realistic uh family out in uh, Manhattan. Mm-hmm. No, I don't. I don't know it, but I enjoyed what your uh, rendition of it. it was okay, well, good. It's my voice. It does it because if you watch it, the guy he, he can't see it. He blinks his eyes when he talks, and yeah. you're sitting there going, "That's only someone who would do that. It has a twitch because they're nervous because they're guilty." So now we're saying you did something in Pittsburgh this morning. Now you went, you went to Carnegie Mellon. I did. Now, okay. Now, and I, I never knew this until doing the show. I knew Carnegie Mellon's a big engineering school, I believe, but it's a huge acting school, right? Yeah, it's got a one of the top theater programs in the country, and uh, I went there actually to, for set design to work on production and set design at the time. I was into that's what I thought I was going to do is build sets, and then I got. Uh, they needed a Puerto Rican for a Miguel Pinedo play back in the day, and I was the closest thing. So, you know. <laughs> now, now you come from a, and I believe it was your mom a playwright. Is that true? Yeah. Okay, so you come from an entertainment background. So it was around when you were a kid. Were you brought into the arts or? Yeah, really? my mother was a painter and a playwright, still is, and my dad uh, is a wonderful photographer, street uh, black and white photographer, my whole life. So I was surrounded by. You know the real thing the real gritty stuff and i saw a lot of plays when i was a little kid they took us to some shows in new york and i was it's just been in my blood the whole time so you know once high school came around uh the theater the sets the lights i got involved with with all that and then ended up going to carnegie and from there uh got lured into the acting program and the rest was history. What What do you think you made that you wanted to do set design? Were you just intrigued by the whole set? I mean, because that's you don't hear a lot of people who become actors that sit there and go into set design because yeah. it's just usually they go, I got the bug at a young age, I'm acting right now. What made you sit there and what what, what intrigued you about set design? I love it. I mean, I, I still love it. I, it's, I love, like I've since gotten into interior design as well. I've remodeled some homes. So it's, I just always loved construction. I built some houses. I was on a construction crew as a kid. Built, helped build a couple of homes. Uh, I just, I just love being in a shop. So that's something I've always loved. And, I, and, and the theatricality of it, and lights and sets and, you know, and draw bridges and turntables and backdrops and the flies. You know, I, was, I, was, I loved it. I loved the backstage. I was always... You know, there was an actor smoldering in there somewhere, and when I had the opportunity at Carnegie, it sort of came out, and I realized this was a real thrill and a lot easier. Right. <laughs> so, well, for me, you know, it, it sort of came a little more naturally than building and breaking shit. I was always dropping lights, and I wasn't good at it. I, I like the fact that you said you were in a construction crew as a kid, because now, like, kids never do that. It's like me. I was thinking about that. Like, when I grew up, you know, I grew up in New Jersey near Philadelphia, and I had a paper route. But, you know, but you know, how with a mailman? You still, you had to deliver the stuff. Like, like as kids, we worked shine hard. shoes. I, yeah. I shined shoes at the, uh, you know, Avenue M station in Brooklyn. I, so, you know, we shoveled snow. That was the worst, because you'd always get like it the hurts. old person who would sit there and you're thinking, and they give you five bucks. Because when you're young, you don't put your price up front, you don't think, and you're thinking, oh man, this is taking me three hours. I was talking to a friend of mine who used to kick the shit out of the kids, sorry, but he used to beat up the kids, the younger kids, 
and break their shovels so they could get the deal, <laughs> so they could make the five or ten dollars. You know, the twelve-year-olds would beat up the ten-year-olds. That's so, Brooklyn, yeah, Brooklyn. <laughs> so, so you went to Carnegie Mellon, and then you you transferred in. I mean, you transitioned into being an acting major. Yes. Okay. Went there, and uh, yeah, it was a great time. It was a great time at Carnegie. I had some dear friends that I still have. Um, Recently lost a buddy, Michael Goldberg, who's a Philly guy. Who's friends with Craig Shoemaker. Very dear friends. And he recently paid, he wrote Cool Runnings, right. he wrote I Snow saw Dogs, he wrote a lot of, uh, he wrote uh, uh, Bushwhack, the movie I was in, he wrote, you know, big stuff and had battled, battled for years and he hung in, but we lost him. But he was a dear, dear friend, met at Carnegie. And, uh, you know, Holly Hunter was there moving out when I was coming in, you know, some, it was a great place to be, great place. So, so when you graduate, and because it's in Pittsburgh, and you're still close to the East Coast, and you have New York roots, what do you decide to do? Do you decide to go to New York, or do you decide to come to L.A.? What do you do when you graduate to pursue your career? Because you have the degree in acting, and Carnegie Mellon's got a very great reputation. Of course, agents are going, what? you know, you know, agents are, they probably don't even know Carnegie Mellon nowadays. But They how, do. They actually they, do. Okay, yeah, a lot of, they know the big schools. Because yeah. a lot of them, though, just agents, some just don't know. <laughs> yeah. They but, know uh, Carnegie, and they know Juilliard, right. they know, you know, some of the, rep, you know, the schools that have the... Uh, repertory program. So what do you do? You graduate college and then you figure, I'm going to pursue this job. I'm going to participate. I actually, I actually started face painting in discos. <laughs> no. Really? In <laughs> Pittsburgh or that moved down All over the world. I mean, if you ask me what I did, uh, a buddy of mine was doing little glitter, beautiful little like airbrushy glitter designs in clubs. This was like in the 80s. And, you know, it was, it was the disco era. Right. right? And uh, he was, he went in, it's a long story, but he started doing these little designs on all the girls and all the bartenders and everybody and, and, you know, little champagne glasses. And he was making a bundle of cash, meeting a lot of girls. And I said, I, I'm going to do that. That was my little side gig in New York. So I went and did that. We actually ended up uh, building a company out of it and we made a little kit that sold and then it fell apart, but it did, you know. It had a big splash opening, and then it had a sort of a bad ending. But I traveled all over Europe and uh, Paint. painted faces while I was beginning to pursue my uh, acting. Well, that's universe. like that'd be yeah. a great job because you're in nightclubs. You're you're everyone wants everyone wants to paint. I'm sure you had lines. Every, lines. Everyone's like, come on, I, we, we want to be the face painting guy. I mean, that's it's right. it's like now it's like I went to the Studio City. Uh, Farmer's Market the other day, because I live in Burbank, I used to go to the Burbank one, Right, but they had the face painter, yeah. and it's for the kids. That's but it. Always we a did, line. We did like a high profile, right. like a, we ended up doing, we went to Paris, we did Paris Match, we did uh, Seventeen Magazine, we did a spray, because this, my buddy who does it, Mark Bennett, he's a designer and a director, he's brilliant, and uh, I copied him. So we, we did some, you know, sort of high fashion-y stuff, and then we did body painting on the beaches of Saint-Tropez. It was a great time. God, so you're doing that. It's like, well, it had, I mean, like, the hell with acting, man. I'm painting bodies. I'm painting That's kind beach of bodies. Happens. Yeah. <laughs> Although I, I wanted to, you know, you know, yeah, and then I got back some sort of got back into the acting thing because that's really what I wanted to do. So you did that for a few, like a year and a half, two years? No, we did it. We had a business and then we okay. put out this kit. We did it for like five years. Okay. So you're you're sitting there and you're doing that and you're you're making money. You're having fun. We were I mean, doing very well and making some good cash and it was a fun gig. So it was hard, but it was keeping me away from the acting. So I struggled for five years with trying to get this business off the ground and hopefully make a big bundle, which didn't happen. So then I, I got a little bit of a late start, later start than I wanted to getting, you know, serious about the acting. So you, you, went, you were in New York? I was in New York, started, you know, auditioning. I, I, I ended up uh, doing a bunch of commercials early on. Okay, now what were some of the commercials? Because back then commercials were very lucrative. Too. They were. And, and I met uh, a couple of directors in New York, and then I came out here pretty soon after in the late 80s. And I ended up doing a lot of commercials, and um, I was I was good at them. And I met three or four big directors who just kept hiring me. The biggest was Joe Pitka, who had three or four or more, more like six in the day. He had five, six Super Bowl spots on just every. You know, that's how he was the biggest. And uh, Leslie Dechter is another big guy I worked with a lot, and a um, bunch of guys. And and I had these few guys that hired me a lot, so I ended up doing. A lot. What were some of the? What was I did? I did Pepsi with Cindy Crawford. I did the. Uh, 
IBM commercials. The biggest campaign I was, if you watch football, did you watch football? Oh, yeah, he's Eagles fan. There were two guys, McDonald's guys, going to the Super Bowl. It was a two-year campaign. Okay. It was two guys in a in a in a big in the you know the Big Mac mobile, and we were trying to get to the Super Bowl. And uh, it was me and Scott LaRose, another actor. We did. A lot I, of, I know. You know I, I know him from just from yeah. comedy. Yeah, he's a comic. And we we did two years of these of these spots, and it was uh, it was a terrific campaign. Were you, did you actually get to travel? Or yeah, we went all over the country. We went to the Super Bowl. We did. You know, it was a it was a big deal. We went to a, a, a one of the big. I think it was in Texas. We went to one of the uh, games. They had us come out in the you know before the game and run around with the car on the field and the, the, the all the refs had to chase us off. It was a crazy you know it was a big event. We signed autographs you know it was, it was we were we were we were the two guys we were, right. We were called the two guys for many years. After that, you know we sort of were the beginning. I'd like to say we were sort of the beginning of the the the, the buddy commercial that you see all day long today you know it was sort of the one you know is us and this other campaign where it was i love you man yeah like, it was the i love you man campaign i remember what the product was and scott and i and we sort of uh you know we had we had a couple of uh tv deals on 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 the table for the two yeah development deals that fell apart as well sort of bad management at that time but it was a it was a very interesting time so you you do that. So you you basically you come from doing the body painting, then you get this campaign. So you're right. you're, li- you're living good. You're but but it's you didn't really you weren't really concentrating on your acting per se. But, I was were, okay. Were you? I was. I was just you know I I just was able to do these commercials and sort of um, it just worked for me, you know. So I I didn't say no, and it's funny because some actors made fun of me. Some more like you know, established film actors. I don't want to mention any names. They would go, oh, yeah, I see you doing all those commercials, man. And now look at it. Right. You know, now, you know, the biggest stars in the world are doing commercials. So It's it's amazing. It's always so funny. I know people also say, oh, yeah, I have a friend who works behind the scenes. He's like, I would never work on TV. You know, you don't go from movies to TV. And I'm like, well, I, you know what? Days. Everyone, you know, when Dustin Hoffman's on HBO on a TV series, yeah. you know, the, you know, when Sinise, you know, when all, all these people, it's, it's all changed. Yeah. So you you did the commercials and then you're still trying to get the acting parts. Well, I started doing that. Was doing both. You know, I did. Uh, I had done some small roles on television. I did. The, you know, the early Cagney and Lacey's, the China Beach. You know, uh, yeah, Freddy's Nightmare. I'm looking you know. at your uh, thing. It's like a Cool World. I mean, it's yeah, a bunch of stuff. Cool World with uh, had a scene with Kim Basinger. You know, that must have been great. It was great. And then you know, a commish. Did a commish with, uh, and that's when I met. Michael Chiklis and he and I are dear friends to this day. It's so. amazing, you know, you know, because I love the Shield, and you see Chiklis on the commission, then you see that old repeat on Seinfeld where he's the uh, the neighbor, uh, the friend that won't leave uh, the Jerry's apartment. Yeah, yeah. And then you see him on on, on the commission. You go, holy! I mean, because he's a badass. I mean, it's just so the difference. I mean, on, the guy uh, changed. The shield, yeah. The Shield, yeah. yeah. And it's just it's amazing. Yeah, he had a major transition. He, told, you know, and that. That was a fascinating time for him because he had to go in and fight for that role, uh, big time. Okay, and I think he went in like five times. He told me to 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 convince them because they were like, "Well, no, we don't want to hire the commish. He's this jolly guy." And but he got he lost weight. He got all tight, and, and he went in and, and won that, and you know had to really take that that part. Now, when you were doing the, the commercials and the TV and the movies, was it? An easy transition because the sets are probably so much different. I mean, a movie, you know, it's a longer downtime TV. I mean, what was it like? I mean, were you? It's not for me. It's you know, they all sort of. It's one big collage. You know, I mean, theater is definitely different. But you know, a day on a commercial and a, it's just lighter. It's it's comedic. I mean, you know, I, I love it all. To be honest with you, I, people say, well, what do you prefer, comedy, dramas? I, you know, I like going to work. And these days, I like to try to stick to some of the more quality pieces, you know, the shows and stuff, and I'm not doing commercials really anymore unless somebody wants to offer me a great campaign, but, right, um, you know, but I just like going to work, you know, I take what comes next pretty much, if it's a, if it's a good, you know, like I said, some quality production, you know, and I got some good stuff coming up, so I'm really excited about what's happening, you know, where it's come, but it, there was never any one big break that sort of opened things up, it's just been a steady 
chipping away, chipping away, you know, not getting 20 things and finally getting something, and then not getting another 25 things, and then you get something, you know? Yeah, because I look at your resume, and you're working in, like, the X-Files and stuff like that and different things, and then, then you get a, a few episodes of NYPD Blue. That was a that was a little bit of a transition right there when that happened. What was it? Why was that? Well, it was a great character. You know, David Milch wrote this fabulous role, and I ended up, you know, I think I did four or five of them or something Steve like that. Richards. Steve Richards, yeah. And it was, you know, it was juicy and uh, it was the hottest show at the time, you know, in dramas. Uh, and so the phone started ringing a little bit more after that. That was definitely a, a, a nice notch. And then you did practice. You also popped up on a few times. Yeah, yeah. But it was it was NYPD Blue that was, that was a big transition. And then the next, I'd say, strong credit after that was The Wire and then... Uh, the Wire, which I love yeah. that show, and it's yeah. funny. Actually, and Entourage I, was, you know, all the, those, those, those are, and then you know, Entourage and The Wire together were. Oh, well, there was a show on Sci-Fi, The Invisible Man. Was up? Yes. Now, what was because that's like, I mean, that was a show I looked, and uh, it was on for a few years. Yeah. And you were one of the leads. Yeah. So that must have been great because, like anything, you're you're getting all this great work, and you're you know, but it's the thing you do the work, and then you have to leave the set. You know, you know, it's I've always heard from a lot of actors that you go when you go on a set that's great. You're like, oh man, I wish I wish I could be on the set all the time. Of course, when you go on the set, that it's not that great. When you're a guest star, you're like, go right. back, I'm getting out of there. What was it like for you to transition to The Invisible Man, where you were on the set, you you knew you had, I mean, you did like 45 episodes. Yeah. What was that like? Was that a, a commitment? Was that did you enjoy that going through the same job every day? Yeah. Well, you know, Vinny Ventresco was The Invisible Man, and he and I immediately clicked. Um, and became very good friends and, and still are. So, you know, that has a lot to do with it. You know, uh, we met, um, I actually wasn't gonna do the show at first because there was some other stuff I had done. I just got hired to do Mo in The Three Stooges. Okay. And that was, a you know, a lead in a TV movie and I kind of wanted to see what was gonna be next. And they, uh, they kind of, you know, made it work and made me an offer I couldn't refuse, actually, on sci-fi to, to do the show. And it was great. It was, you know, it was, you know, like I said, it was a nice offer. And uh, they waited till I got back from Australia to do the to do the pilot. And then it clicked. You know, the show clicked. I, you never know. You do the pilot and all of a sudden it, it took off. The, uh, the fans, you know, were behind it from the get-go. And we had a blast. So you go to work. Like I said, you go to work. You know, it, it was a tremendous success, like internationally, that show. But, um, you know, and here as well, but it wasn't regarded as something, you know, on sci-fi as, as, as it would be, uh, you know, if you did something on HBO. You right. Know, so, so uh, but it was a great job at the time. Like, you know, you said it was about a couple of years we worked. We were down in San Diego. You can't. I live in San Diego. You can't. That, that's the best place to be. It was great. We were in La Jolla, and we were working nonstop. We didn't really have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, anybody really watching over us because the, the showrunners kept changing, and we kind of just were in our own little hole down there, and we did our own thing. We did a lot of improvisation. You know, I, I took a lot of flack for it, but, you know, we, we just had a good time. We had a lot of laughs, and we just kind of made it our own, and it was it was a, it was a definitely a big success at the time see that must be great and it's it's good especially when you when you can do the improv and as like i always heard like you know people who were in uh the first season first two of uh when homicide was on you know the mvc of brass wasn't going to baltimore so the the actors could really do what they wanted which you know i think it's great because it lets you do that it gives you that freedom if you have the chemistry with somebody and it's happening it's great if you, you know if you don't you don't you don't want it then it's you're cutting around it all the time but Vinny and I, we had a blast, and the rest of the cast, they were great, and it was a, it was a kind of sort of a magical time down there. We had a blast, and the, you know, the, the showrunners were great. David Levinson was terrific, and uh, I'm trying to remember everybody, but you know, all the writers uh, that I've since worked with a bunch, you know, they were starting out. A lot of them got their start on that show. Uh, Greg Utanis, who's a big showrunner now. On Banshee, I think. Okay, I haven't seen a show. I heard it's great. Everyone yeah. raves about it. Yeah, yeah. We ended up working a few times together, became good friends. But he was, you know, you know, making his bones down in San Diego with us. So it was, it was We're, now I know the Mo because John Casier was also on that, and uh, you for the Three Stooges. Were you a Three Stooges fan growing up? Well, 
Or, yeah. I mean, because like, everyone loved it. I watched them. it, yeah. Okay, but was it, were you excited to play that role? Because, I mean, anyone who watched that goes, man, he got a, I mean, Mo got away with everything. <laughs> I mean, you think about it. You know, Mo was the one, he was, like, Larry was like the, you know, I think, was it Evan Handler who yep. played Larry? Evan. You know, Larry's like, you know, the thing, and, you know, you have Curly or whatever, but for Mo, I mean, it must have been great because you're getting paid to be a bully. Yeah, it was... It was, you know, when I look back on some of the things I've done, I go, man, that was an amazing thing you were in. And you don't know at the time. But Mo getting it, I, I, I was in a spiritual place. I really felt like he was looking down on me, going, I'm picking who's playing me. You okay. Know? I really felt like he was. I literally remember driving one night after getting the part thinking, you know, Mo was talking to me. I really felt like he was in me, like, yeah, I want you to play this guy. Because a lot of guys wanted to do it. You know, a lot of. Big name guys wanted to play that part, so um, I got it. You know, I, I put a wig on the night before. I had, I had a bunch of wigs because I'm bald, and I stuck this three thousand dollar wig on my head. And I took a scissor and I just cut it right across the front, <laughs> make a bowl cut out of it. And I looked in the mirror and I just, I never done Mo. Everybody always imitates Curly, you right? Know? Yeah, it's right. No one ever really imitates Mo. No, you, three stooges, you go, nip, 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 right. you know, you, whatever you do, <laughs> you know. But nobody ever. So I'd watched a bunch of the tapes, and I did this cut. I looked in the mirror, and I just, you know, I did that thing that, you know, I just went, what's the matter with you? Scram! Beat it! You know? And I thought, hey, I could, I could maybe do this, you know? And then it happened. So it was a great time. We went to Australia for two months. Now, I wonder why they shot it in Australia. I mean, do you know why they shot it in Australia? Cause it- At that time, the dollar was, it worked. It was, it was you know, made sense. And there was a... Uh, I'm sure there still are, you know, some houses, some, some lots there, some studios that were making great deals. I think it was just a, a financial thing. And the look of it, they wanted to use something that wasn't, you know, if they went to Malibu, there were a few beach shots, I remember. And they wanted to look different than what we've been seeing for many years on TV, which would be Malibu or Santa Monica or something. And uh, they just wanted to, and it had a sort of a, 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 an older look, you know, to, to go because it was a period piece, and they wanted it to look like what maybe Malibu might have looked like. Okay, back then. Well, yeah, I gotta say, man, the traveling things for you has been great. I mean, you go from Australia to San Diego, and then I mean, that must have been you know living, talking about living the life as an actor. I yeah. mean, you one, you're working, and everyone wants to work. But when you can work from Australia and then San Diego, two of the excellent places, you must have been. It was great. It must have been great. Yeah, and you don't want to get off the plane when you fly to Australia. They the first class there was like a hotel room. Okay. <laughs> Literally, it was a full bed with your own studis and they're tucking you in, they're bringing you any... I swear to God, we landed in Australia. I was like, do I have to get up now? I didn't want to leave. It was it was 14 of the best hours of my life. No longer. Well, and I want to talk about The Wire because it's funny. Oh, I, I watched The Wire. Actually, I, I watched it. I caught up on it on HBO. I watched it at this ages ago. And just recently, they played a marathon. Right. And I saw you in it. Now, when you got the, and some people arguably say it's one of the best shows ever on TV. Now, when you got cast from that, because I know before that, I saw you were on John from Cincinnati, which- uh, Which was after The Wire. Okay, well, it's, because yeah. it's, well, Jim Beaver was just on last week. He was, oh, was also on John yeah, from Cincinnati. Yeah. So did that started a, uh, The Wire. How did that audition come apart about, did you know it would be such a, Big show, like a big show when you when you were on it. Um, no, I mean you know you you don't know when you show up. I mean I, I we didn't talk about true romance, but I I got on that set and you have no idea. You know it was a small part. I had no idea what was gonna. You're on a set. You see these actors around you. You learn your lines and you go to work. You know and you know if it's a big movie, if you get hired to do uh, the Expendables today or or, or some. Marvel comic movie, you know you're going into a huge movie. Back then it was, it was an, it was a cool movie, a lot of great True actors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you don't know. Same thing with The Wire. I went down to Baltimore. Um, you show up, and uh, I was trying to find the guy. Still, I was still trying to work on this Greek guy. I didn't audition for that. That was a, an offer. Now, how did what did they know you I from? I have no idea. You know, Alexa Fogel, who I still owe a massive thank you to uh cast that and 
I don't know what happened. Maybe they were trying to get somebody who they couldn't get or somebody was a fan or whatever. I mean, you know, my reel at the time had True Romance on it. It had Tombstone. It had, uh, I think, Alias where I may have, or something where I may have played a Russian. So I, I had a lot of accents. Okay. That were you know believable. Now, how do you how do you learn your accents? Do you are you just do you can you watch something and just pick it up? I mean, because accents are. I mean, there's when you hear a great accent, it's great, but there's nothing more nothing worse than watching a movie and seeing a crappy accent. Yeah, or a play. Now, how 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 did you how do you pick it up? You know, I have a pretty good ear for certain accents, and I was just you know I I hung out with a couple of Greek guys. I remember there was a doorman. Uh, I forgot his name. A Greek guy, and there was a painter in my mother's house in New York. And they were painting the apartment at the time, and I tape them, take a tape recorder, and I, and I have a good enough ear where I could pick up, you know, I could sort of perfect the sounds pretty well. Same thing with the Italian and True Romance. I had some Italian guys, and I just did it out of necessity, you know, um, just to get a get the job, you know, you know. I did a play in New York years ago where I played a Puerto Rican guy, and I literally you know, hung out with these Puerto Rican guys just to get that, that New Yorican sound, you know? And, because uh, that's, you know, for me it was like, I gotta get this part. It was more like, I gotta go, I gotta go to work, so whatever I gotta do. Right. And, yeah, I've always had a pretty good ear with, with sound. I, you know, I've always been a mimic. I imitated these Jamaican guys I used to play tennis with when I was nine, you know, so I, and I nailed their accent. You would have thought I was from there. So I, I always had a really good ear for, for picking up dialects and accents and stuff. And I still really enjoy <clears throat> hearing somebody and saying I know exactly where they're from, you know. Hearing your Philly accent a little bit, uh, yeah, you know? mine's disappeared a lot. But it's funny, was because I. It's so funny because when you grow it's a little up, bit, like, though, it's, it's a little bit. I still have a little bit, but it's funny because I, I call into a uh, a Philadelphia sports radio show once once every, and your accent starts coming out. Not as much as that, but I listen to because I, I do a whole thing about Hollywood or whatever. But the host, my friend Big Daddy Graham, he's still got the Philadelphia accent. But I'll listen because when they put you on hold, you know, because you call in and they go, you can wait, and I hear like the last caller and. When I hear a Philadelphia accent, I go, wow. You know, I mean, it's so anyway, distinct. Listen, uh, we're going to pick up Paul from the hotel there, from the airport, pick him up, take him down, set there, and uh, stick him in the hotel and bring him back to the airport. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's so, because my dad, my father used to say pasta instead of yeah. pasta. And, uh, he'd be ordering, and I go, Dad, man, what, what the hell are you saying? Pasta or a bagel or a uh, well, the Eagles, everyone says Eagles, but uh, so 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 you you learned the Greek accent for the for the wire, even, but you had the part. I had the part, and the funny thing is, I'm gonna tell you a story. I went down there, and the day before about to shoot, David Simon says, "Okay, I want to rehearse for tomorrow," and I and I told him this too, <laughs> and I get I get in the room and we're rehearsing, and it's me and Bill Raymond, the uh, play who played the old Greek guy, with me. And we're rehearsing the scene. It was another actor, I forget. And uh, and I'm would going through the scene. We're sitting at a little, you know, conference table. And David Simon says, "All right, try it again, but you know, give me what you did at the, you know, on your on your audition, you know." And I'm thinking to myself, "He's got the wrong guy." I didn't know. I didn't want to say to him. I didn't, you know. <laughs> but I'm thinking to myself, maybe the tape that he saw my demo. Reel, and we do it again. He goes, yeah, you know, try again. But and then he said it again. You know, kind of like what you did on on your audition. I go back to my hotel. I call my attorney. I said, I'm getting fired. I'm not getting this. I'm telling you, they're gonna. I'm gonna get found out. I'm getting fired. I'm getting replaced. Believe me, tonight you're getting. A, I'm getting on. A, trust me, the plane ticket is being drawn up right now. I'm coming home. And he, he told me this story about he felt the same way when he got his bar thing in the mail and it said you've been accepted you know to me he goes i didn't believe it you know he says paul you're playing the role don't worry about it and literally the next day on set i'm just every take i'm waiting for them to go um we're not this isn't gonna work this isn't working so please uh you know and that didn't happen and um thank god you know you know it became one of the greatest things to be a part of but i, I was terrified did you ever did you ever ask him a year at the end of the season for some reason, we ended up next to each other at lunch. I maybe sat down with him, or he came sat down with me, and I, you know, everything going. He goes, yeah. I said, you know, I got to tell you. And he should have just blew it off. I mean, he may, 
<laughs> I don't know. I, to this day, I don't know what happened. I think maybe he was referring to my demo reel. Okay. You know, because I had some characters on that that may have been similar, you know, more like something like your reel or that sound. I don't know. He was very, very, uh, he was a little vague and he was very quiet and he was very sort of not specific with what he was, just, you know, a little bit more like the tape. Okay. Something like that. Maybe he said tape. So I immediately thought it was the audition tape. I don't know. That didn't I, exist. I was, it was a nightmare. But when, when you got that part, was it, were you know it was going to be recurring or did you, was it Yes. Part? It was actually a series regular for one season. Okay. Was, you're going to be part of the show for a year, uh, 10 episodes. Ended up being 17 over, over the next few years. Now, what's amazing about that show is, and I think it's like anything, back when that came out, I mean, people knew the show and they probably knew your character. But now, because of the advent of On Demand and HBO playing, on, I, I'm guessing a lot more people have seen it oh since it's been off. I mean, I can imagine you probably got, because you have a distinguished look. The people may have recognized you before from The Wire, but now, since it's been on so much, it's probably you probably recognized a shitload more for being on the wire yeah what even when it came the second it came out it was especially in new york uh because that's where the initial fan base was i think in such an intense way I, you know everywhere you know people were screaming out of cars you know yo spiros you know they knew the character um so yeah but what's interesting with the with the with this show and it feels like it's going to live on forever because it's it 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 gets new viewership every year. I mean, there's a new crop of, of people, however you, you know, rent it on demanding, downloading it, whatever. Every, every, it feels like all the time. I mean, I literally all the time, every, at least every few days, somebody goes, Oh, I'm, I'm binge watching the wire or I'm, it, it wasn't watched at the time as much. Like I said, it was mostly the New York audience and it's since grown, you know, exponentially. And I think it'll continue to do that every year. The, the new crop of young filmmakers and writers and fans whatever are going to watch the show and i'm thrilled about that you know now so, now how do how do the greeks take it have you had any greeks come up and say yeah your accent's on your accent's off for me because it's you're playing an accent that's like anything especially you know yes you want to hear from the from the horse's yeah. mouth that you're doing okay yes i've gotten a lot of people say you you look you, you remind me of my uncle and it's all i got to hear you know is uh you, i get a lot of you remind me of my dad or my uncle or my brother or my cousin and that's when i feel like uh, I've done a, a good enough job, you know. Um, I didn't have to do much in Greek, so to do that sort of accent, it's it's it it it, it comes fairly naturally. You know, to once I once I got a, a hold of it, you know, I watched a little bit of it a few months back, and I realized that the beginning it wasn't as I think the, the accent got a little stronger. I don't know. That's and, funny. Well, you, but you're always, everyone's more self-conscious when they right. watch it. You always sit there and go, wait a second, I said this wrong. And it's like, no, you didn't. You know, it's like, we always sit there and think it's it's all in our head. It's annoying. And the other thing is when you're part, you could do a phenomenal job in something that nobody sees. And, it, it, and you could do the exact same thing in something that everybody's watching. And it's... It changes everything. So if you're doing, if I played a Greek guy in a little small thing that nobody ever watched, and I did a, you know, a heart wrenching scene, it means nothing. Right. And if I say two words on the wire, oh my God, you're amazing. You're in the show. The show. It's all about the product. You know, it's all about the show. It's all about uh, the role in that show. You know, and you know, uh, best example of that for me has been I did one episode of. Um, Last year on HBO with Woody Harrelson and uh, McConaughey. Oh, uh, true, uh, true, true detective. detective. One episode. That episode, because the industry watched it, the country watched it, everybody watched that show, kind of like The Wire. I mean, it, it came out, you know, swinging out of the park. That, it was a home run, that show. The one episode was more effective for me than almost everything I've ever done in 30 years. Well, that's amazing, because I, I had a guest on, a guy named Brad Carter, who was... In True Detective, he played the uh, when they went to visit the crazy guy in the jail with all crazy hair, and he said 
that same thing because the industry watch it. It went from like yeah. going for an audition, going, "Oh, who's this guy?" to like, "Oh my God, wait, you're the guy." Like casting directors, and he said it was just amazing the vibe you got when you walked in the room yes. for being on something as you said critically acclaimed that people go, Changes "Well, everything. this person." I mean, you could go up and do the worst job ever in one of those shows, but they would say, "Well, he got cast. He must be something. He's doing that right." So that was the wire. The first time you started getting recognized a lot, or I mean, what was that? And what was that like? I mean, you get recognized. What is that like for you? I mean, it's like it's got to be mean, a weird feeling. You get recognized. You know, I like I said, I did a lot of commercials earlier. Right. So I was I was the McDonald's guy for a long time, and you know, I mean, literally, you're that guy. You know, you know, I did FedEx commercials. So I, I sort of got a lot of that early on, just from commercials. But then in TV, it started happening a lot with you know NYPD Blue and then The Wire, and and now it's just you know people. It depends. I know when people come up, and I, I sort of know. I said. You know, they say, oh, we loved you and tell us some stuff or we loved you on Invisible Man or, Do you get or free In stuff? Plain Sight, you know. Do you ever get free stuff? Like people give you, I mean, because a lot of people say, you know, they get they get the perks. I mean, do you ever get like, like, I mean, sometimes you go out to a restaurant and you go, hey, you get a free appetizer. I mean, does that yeah, happen? I've gotten free, a lot of free dinners, actually. <laughs> See, that's the best. I, mean, that's, nice. I used to be a waiter at Planet Hollywood years ago when I came here and anyone who came in there who was in a movie, they got free meal. It's like it's like you could be an extra in a movie. If someone rec- the manager recognizes you, you get a free meal. It comes with the comes with the the job a little bit, yeah. So after the wire, you, you now you got on Entourage. Yeah. Now now how did that role come apart? Did did HBO know you were? Because you look you were you were in the wire. You were in John from Cincinnati. You're Entourage. You, you you got a little good little HBO background there. Does that yeah. make it easier for you to get a part because they know of you or the network knows of you? Uh, yes, you know you're sort of approved. HBO actor, so it was definitely uh, easier. Plus the fact that um, I was with a management company, Leverage Entertainment, at the time. Fabulous company, and uh, they produced the show. So I had an in. I had a direct in, and uh, Doug Ellen, you know, I actually read twice, auditioned for the Jeremy Piven role, you know, the Ari character. Yeah. So, because uh, that's, that's what I obviously wanted that role. And auditioning there, he was like, "No, you're gonna, you're, you're a little too, too tough for that part, you know, uh, too edgy, whatever." He said, you know, he said, "But th- there's something else that I want you to do." He knew right from there. He, he said, "You're gonna be the studio head guy," so that's how I got that. Yeah. And now also a claims show, so you probably got recognized from that too. I Tremendous. mean, and it was funny because Entourage was one of those shows where, once again, there's certain shows you sit there and you like The Wire, Entourage, and shows like you don't hear people go, oh, that show sucks. You know, like sometimes you'll go, hey, you watch it, oh, that show sucks. No one ever says it. They're always like, no one ever bad talks to those shows. It must be great because you're part of shows like that. Yeah, I mean, once you have a few of those, it's been tremendous, you know, to have uh, those HBO iconic shows under your belt. It's been uh it's been great. And then you also got Everyone Hates Chris, which that is a show that, I mean, I started watching every once in a while, but now you can find it all the time. Like I was sitting at home one day around Christmas and I'm flipping around and it was like a marathon. And I think that's a show, and I, I thought it was a great show. I thought it was very well written. And that, you're the uh, you're the coach. So, you know, it, what was that like? Because you're coming off like the Greek guy, then the studio head, then you're a coach and, and you're sort of mean. And no, Chris, no, are you mean? Oh, I'm a horrible racist animal. Yeah, so what was that? What's that like? I mean, you go from playing, <laughs> I, mean, I mean, how does it, when you play that role, because every once in a while people mistake, <laughs> it's sad to say they mistake real life for yeah. acting. Have you gotten crap or flack from that that people think like, you like, because I had Mark Rawson on who was in a, um, Shawshank Redemption. He said people will come up because he played that guy. We, you're disgusting. Did you ever? Did you get? You ever got flack for everyone hates Chris? Not that because it's a comedy. Right. Okay. Clearly, it's a over the top comedy. But you know, Shawshank. That's a a real dramatic. Right. You know, so you're pulled in emotionally on a different way. You know, in a different way. So people are going to really think like you're that guy. You know, I was just over the top. You know, bubbling with with you know. You know, just it was just an enormous character, right. and they just encouraged me to go bigger and bigger. So I just I had some of the most fun doing that thing because usually, you know, they you want to bring it down, you know, for TV. But this was something they just I said, "Am I going too big?" He goes, "Just you know, this fabulous director I love, uh, Jerry Levine." He said, "Keep going, just keep going, do it, keep go as big as you want." And I I just did, you know, this was just exploding with uh, you know with that character it was a lot of fun 
So it's, so yeah, but see, so, but you and that was crazy. You get a lot of these critically acclaimed shows. You you you, you know it's the thing you get you're getting these good roles. And then I walk, you know, you walk, and then you 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 guess it on CSI, then you guess it on The Mentalist and stuff like that. And then In Plain Sight comes along, which was a USA show, and USA all their shows are, are good. I mean, I mean, you know, I don't. I mean, my girlfriend loves TV. She watches the USA, and she's like, oh, you got to watch this show, and she became a fan. Now did that shoot that shot in New Mexico, right? That shot in Albuquerque, yeah. Okay, so now now you're you're going from you know shooting in LA, shooting here, and, and then you hear you're going to shoot in Albuquerque. Had you, had you been to New Mexico before? I had. I uh, shot a western with Mickey Rourke there, called The Last Outlaw. Okay. With Mickey Rourke and Steve Buscemi and oh gosh, back in the day. So yeah, I did a I did something. I think I I did something. You know, it's a, it's a, they do a lot of movies, now. right? So I think I had done something else there as well. I don't remember, but I remember the the western. So and it was a quick hop, skip, and a jumps two and a half hours to get there on a plane. So um, you know, you go down, you sign up. We did the pilot, and then we didn't get picked up for like two years. What's that like? Okay, I mean, it must be weird because you shoot a pilot, and then but did you hear that it wasn't picked up, or you just heard nothing? Like it was just in limbo. It was kind of in limbo for a while, and then. You know, then we heard we getting picked up, but not for another year. It was you kind of forget about it, you know, and then it came around, and then you go to work. And originally, I wasn't a series regular; I just recurred the first season as a as the the boss, the chief. And the second season, I joined. You know, I joined up as a regular, and then you know, we did five five seasons. It was uh, it was great, great experience. You know, became good friends with Mary McCormick and Fred Weller and the rest of the the team, and it was. Terrific. Now, now, where? How long? Did, when you would shoot, how long would you have to? How long would you be down there for? Um, well, you know, it's the wonderful thing about being a character actor, and as opposed to the star, you know, they got to carry the show. I mean, Mary, she's she's working twelve, fourteen-hour days sometimes, consistently, season after season after season. And I come in and I work, you know few hours on Monday, maybe I got a long day on Tuesday, maybe I got another few scenes on Thursday, and generally, I hop a plane, I'm back in LA okay. for the weekend, you know? And she's like, looking at me going, I fucking hate you. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, uh, you know, and I'm like, I'll see you Tuesday, I'll see you and And then sometimes, you know, I'm there for the duration, I'm like, dug in deep, you know, in the trenches, and I got a big episode, but, like I said, being a, a you know, the guy that's not number one on the call sheet has its has its perks for sure. You know, you, you get to have a little bit more of a life. Now, when you got that, you know, when you said you were recurring in the first season and then a regular in the second, did you think it would last for five episodes, I mean, five seasons? Because this business is so weird that, you know, this, a show could have such great promise and then it's gone. Just or, happened. I just did the show Allegiance okay. on NBC. And, and now that lasted for... I did five. I'm not a regular one, but I did an arc for five, and uh, I believe they're pulling it, you know, because it's not strong ratings. It's a wonderful show, terrific cast, uh, starring Hope Davis, and, uh, you know, big network show. Um, and so it went, I think, five or six episodes, and they're going to pull it, but they're going to show it again. I think it's in, a, in its entirety at some other time. I don't know when, but you don't know. You don't know. And... Yeah, I mean, it, it came out in, in plain sight. I guess, you know, it, the ratings were strong. Uh, 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 USA gets behind their shows in a, in a nice way. And um, I kind of sensed that we were going to run for a while, yeah. It had, the first season had a really strong audience. Uh, the first showrunner was terrific. Uh, he had, a, you know, it was, he, he, was, he was the creator, and then he, it moved on. They had some other wonderful guys, John Strauss, picked up uh, the last couple of seasons who also is a good friend but um yeah so you never know so so and so when when it did you, you know it was going to just be five seasons like after your third and fourth season did you know it was going to end or i mean was it one of those things where they said we're just gonna run for five seasons when they talk you never to know you? every year you wait until that last day and they do they wait till the, the contract says they got to let you know by july 31st at midnight you get a call on july 31st at like 6 p.m maybe or 10 p.m going we're picking you up. But like U.S. on, on plain sight, you knew when it was the last season. They were advertising. This is the last season. Like you'd see that advertising. Is that just a mutual thing? Or, I mean, 
they let you, yeah, I don't remember exactly how that works, but yes, they'll, they, we did know we're doing 10 more and that was it. And, uh, they, they make some sort of announcement. Yeah. Now you work a lot. I mean, do you like still like traveling or do you, do you like being at home? Because you seem, you know, Albert, you could Albert, well, earlier, of course, you know, Australia, oh, yeah. Senegal, you're not going to complain, but now you're like Albuquerque in New York and then you go to different places to work. Do you, do you like being on the road? I do. Um, and I also love being home, you know, uh, so, you know, I'm, I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. So I, I have, I'm fairly fluid, you know, I can right. sort of roll with the, roll with the punches. Um, you know, you like being home. I don't love being on the road for that long. You know, months will go by, you know, I remember, yeah, you know, anyway, some jobs where you, but, but if you're in this country and you're a couple hours away on a flight, two, three hours away, it's great. You know, I have a movie coming up after the summer. It's a, you know, it's going to shoot in New Orleans for a month. Uh, wonderful dear friend Dave Rodriguez will be directing that. So that's, um, that'll be, you know, a month or two in New Orleans. I'm looking forward to that, but it's quick. You're back right. home. You know, you're back home in three hours if you need to be. You can come home for the weekend. You know, if you go away for a while, it's, it's definitely more of a, an emotional commitment. Now, you do a lot of, uh, like I've seen person, all these great shows, Person of Interest, through Detective, Hawaii Five-0. I've heard everybody loves shooting Hawaii Five-0 because you basically they send you to Hawaii. I mean, is, it, is that like, the, now, did you, for that role, did you have to audition or did they know you and they gave it to you? Those are offers pretty much. The last few years, the guest stars, and, I, and I'm, Hundred percent grateful, but you're asking, so I, I don't like actors that sort of. It's hard for me to be uh, sort of toot my own horn and all that. But yes, the past few years, um, guest stars are pretty much uh, they come as often. Yeah. That must be great, because especially for a character actor per se, you know, because yeah. I know what I've I always crack up what I've gotten. I have a lot of character actors on, and I always say like they, not like they're clicks, but there's like the Jets for Sharks. You know, there's like the you know you're hanging out with the Larry Poindexter's and the Spencer Garretts are over here, and then you know like mm-hmm. Chris Caldavino and his people over here, and then Eric Palladino, mm-hmm. and you know all those people. So, but it must be great though, because it's really it shows for you you don't have to go audition. I mean, you still audition. Dish, but I'm saying it must be great when they call you. I mean, that must be like gravy. Like you're sitting there and you get a call and they're like, "Hey, it's all I've ever wanted." Go to, to Hawaii. Be with you. It's like, I mean, what, what, what better? It's hey, the greatest go. feeling in the world I mean, to, to get offered a guest star. I mean, this Allegiance was just a five episode arc, and that was an offer. So, you know, I'm not getting any younger to be where I am. You know, uh, at this point, I'm I'm thrilled. It is is an absolute joy to be. A character actor, whatever you want to call me, whatever we do, you know, at any at any stage, actor, star, whatever, to be offered work as an actor, to offer it. Because, you know, I've done probably <clears throat> thousands of auditions, and and they wear you down, man. They oh, chip, yeah. They chip away at you when you go in year after year after year, and you do some, some of your best stuff in these rooms. You know, you go in, you go, man, I worked on this shit for a week. I nailed it. I really got this guy, and they... They loved you and they applauded. They stood up. Up, oh, they're offering it to so and so. Right, and they love you so much. They love you so much, but they're going to offer it to so and so, and that happens all the time. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to finally be at a place where the offers are pr- pretty steady is a great feeling. I always feel like I want to, you know, take the younger actors that are twenty three years old and they got themselves in a a hit little horror movie and now they're being offered. I want to smack them around a little bit. Hey, you. You just bypassed 20 years of auditioning, my friend. Now you're getting offered, you know, because you, cause you happen to land something. And it's a little bit of uh, jealousy on my part, but, <laughs> yeah. but you want to school them a little bit because I've seen a little bit of attitude from these young kids, and they don't have, uh, they just haven't been through it. God bless them. You know, they, they did some part, and they got the stars lined up, and they got in the right thing that, that got them hot. So now they're on a, something else, you know, TV show, whatever, but there's something to, to me, that's where I learned the craft, you know, is auditioning, because you've got to get in there and, you know, get dirty for, it's like getting in the trenches, it's like boot camp, because you got to make it happen fast and go in in two days and nail it. And you do that hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of times, you, you, you learn, you play all these thousands of characters, hundreds of different characters quickly. And uh, it's the best training, I think, in the world. Because, you, you know, wow, I've done, I did that, you know, I, that's where a lot of these accents come from. i got to come up with a Greek or a, uh, an Irish guy or an English guy or a 
you know, Puerto Rican guy, whatever, or, or not just accents, but different characters. A lot of it comes from, you know, you got to learn it for the audition. You may not use it, but then you have it again when you do need it for an actual, you know, bonafide. Now, what are, you, what are they, for you, because you, you work all the time and you're on set a lot and there's a lot of downtime. What do you do to, like, sp- spend your time? Like, do you, when you're on set, do you have any hobbies or what, I mean, what do you do to kick? Do you paint? Do you, do you write? I mean, what do you do to. Because you, you, you're going to go crazy. Anyone's going to go crazy, like, especially if you're somewhere else. Like for me, if I'm at home and I'm bored, I get up and I'll, I'll, I live in Burbank. I'll, just, I'll walk down the street. I'll stop by. Hey, hi to the guy here. You know, it's, but That's for you. That's your hobby. How yeah, you doing? Yeah, exactly. Hey, Mo. Let's <laughs> exactly. go sit down and have a coffee. How you been? That's what I, I do. I walk around. and Hey, it, Sally. Hey, how you been? <laughs> Good. Hey, Louie, come over exactly. here. Give me a hug. That's your hobby. That's my hobby, going out and talking to people. My girlfriend's like, where are you going? I guess yeah, she's... I'm going to go home now and sit down with uh, my friend Mel. Yeah, my, Mel. My, my girlfriend says that. She goes, How's the eggs over there? They're good today. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to have an egg. She goes, that. She'll go, she goes, you went out for like a five, ten minute walk. I go, yeah, but I ran to this guy. I'm driving. I know this guy, Stefan Dumanis. He's, is a, he has a company and he's driving. I see this car pull over. I right hear one olive. And I'm taking a walk. And he goes, I go, what the hell? He goes, Coop, it's me. And then he's talking to him for five minutes. Then you walk and you see someone. But what do you do like for hobbies? Like on the set, what do you do to pass your time when you're in the set, when you have all that downtime? Um, I, uh, I, I, I work, I, I, I like to do uh, interior design and okay. stuff. So I actually, um, I'm usually working either on a uh, property of some kind. So I, I mess around with some real estate stuff and I've, I'll, I'll remodel a, a, a home and live in it and then flip it and sell it. So I'm usually, I usually have a side project okay. going on. And recently I've taken up some um, artwork. Painting? Um, well, my dad's a photographer and I like woodwork and stuff. And it, so I, I actually had a show, a couple of shows the past year where I'm doing what I call PBV Woods. It's basically wood, wood abstract wood construction. And I've also incorporated some of my dad's photography said, Dad, can I use some of your stuff and cut it up and, you know, abstract it and, you know, 3D it and whatever. And he's like, go for it. So um, I've done uh, a series of, of, of some new wood wood art that I'm messing with. Do you, have, do you have a website for that? Like, can people find it or? They, I don't yet. I should, but I haven't done it yet. But thanks, you know, if I ever come back, I'll... Uh, I'll have a website. No, because that'd be great. Because people, I mean, it's funny. I'm like, we well, don't think about wood, but I was, in, me and my girlfriend were in Florida and we visited one of her parents for us. I'll show you some pictures. You put it, you could Instagram it. Yeah, I'll Instagram it. I'll take a picture after you go. I'll go, hey, this is, but no, it's, there was some cool wood stuff. And I was, I looked on the wall and I'm like, that, that piece was amazing. And it's yeah, like, wood's cool. Everybody like, you know, it's, it's earthy. You can yeah, feel it. You, you can know? do anything with it. So we got about uh, eight minutes left, seven minutes left. What's coming up? What's coming up? And I want to see the pictures after. What's coming right. up in your career? I mean, what, what do you have? I know you just, you've been, you were out of town. Shooting because I remember when I hit yes. you up a while ago. What were you shooting then? Well, I was just doing Allegiance right. for NBC, so and I that- did five of those, and then right before that, I um, had the great honor to work with uh, Martin Scorsese on a uh, pilot for HBO. It's called the it's the Untitled Rock and Roll piece, yeah, uh, that he directed, and uh, it's going to be a, a, a big deal. You know, Mick Jagger is one of the executives on it, and I'm playing a uh, sort of a it, it's, it takes place in the 70s, and before, I think 60s, 70s, and 80s. It's, you know, the sex, drugs, rock and roll time of, uh, of, of in that period. And I play sort of a, a character, a, sort of a dirty producer based on a, a real guy. And uh, did the pilot this summer, and um, I believe we're starting to work on that this summer, in July. Now, is that the first time you met Scorsese? Yes. Now, are you, have you been a huge fan? I mean, was that, was that like something, I mean, everyone is, but was that great to meet him? Is it like, it was, when you're meeting one of your icons? Yeah, it was amazing, you yeah. know. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it, just working in that environment was amazing. You know, every step you take, it's, uh, he's got 50,000, you know, assistants everywhere with walkie-talkies, you know. Uh, you know, Paul's coming out of the car. You now he's moving up the stairs. And now, but somebody else opens the door. Hi, come right this way. Marty will be upstairs waiting for you. Then you come through there. If you wait right here, Marty will see you shortly. And Marty, you know, Marty's ready. Marty's getting in the building. Marty, you know. And everybody is tiptoeing around. And then in walks this funny, lovable, you know, guffawing man who's Marty Scorsese, who just loves to laugh, loves actors, treats you like, you know, 
like family instantly and uh it was yeah and then i sit down we do our rehearsal and he's sitting and there i am sitting right next to scorsese and we're we're running through the scene and it was and he's telling stories about taxi driver and uh, you know raging bull and the old days with De Niro and Keitel and Hollywood sleeping on the same floor or one bedroom together having to do Roger Corman movies and the most exciting thing was working with him and uh, I'm thrilled to be to be doing that that's awesome now, now do you do any stage at all you ever get on stage or is that I have you know I, I wouldn't you know I have I've done a dozen plays or so maybe maybe 15 plays um, my mom's a playwright, so we co-wrote a couple of things together. And, uh, yeah, there's a play called The Good Steno, which we did out here. I'm actually going to do a reading of it in New York in May. And um, so we'll see. I wrote the screenplay of that, too, so hopefully maybe I might. That's my sort of pet project that I'd like to get off the ground. Now, as an actor, and you're starting to, you said you wrote the screenplay of the play, did it, do you enjoy the writing process because you can sit there and you can think good dialogue or is it something that you sit there and go when you start getting to like page 50 you go the hell am i doing yes both <laughs> i mean it's exciting when you get some good stuff going but it's it's tough i don't i don't envy writers because you know you got to write and rewrite and then people give you notes and it gets taken apart and then you got to try to make it and get it made and get it made you know we all have our struggles i mean you know acting obviously is there's no at the beach easy either but uh yeah if if i wasn't working more consistently as an actor i'd be in the i'd be i'd be in front of my computer trying to crank stuff out you know thankfully i don't have to do that as much right. but that's your other choice if you're not you gotta fill in you know you gotta pay the rent however you can you know you got it all during high pilot season or i've i'm up for a couple yeah uh there's some stuff out there i'm you know i just got back from new york so i'm I've read for, I've, I've read for a few. I've read for about two or three already. So we'll see, we'll see what's coming. I think there's a, still in the running for a couple. You know, you, you you go in your your audition or you go on tape for certain stuff, and then you and you get that email. It's like uh, they loved your butt, right? You know, or uh, you're still you're still in the mix. You know, yeah. they got a pin in you, or yeah. You know, <laughs> There's all these friends. Now, are you going out for comedy or drama or both right now? I mean, everything. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a there's a role and they're doing the OJ story. The like, band, the OJ Simpson story. Okay. Yeah. And uh, they announced it, so I'm not telling. Oh you yeah, that's it's with uh, it's with uh, Travolta. Travolta and uh, great kids, Courtney Vance. Oh yeah, uh, is, is Vance. Cochran. Um, I forget who's Marsha Clark. I just saw that. Yeah. yeah. Was, What's his name? Uh, is uh, OJ Cuba Cuba Good? Yeah. OJ. So there's a there's a detective in there that I I might I might have a shot at. We don't know. But I haven't heard in the past few days, so I think uh, it may be going away. Who knows? You never know though. But you, you know never what? Know. You're gonna get a call from somebody, you know, anyway, because you're getting the calls, which is awesome. I mean yeah. that's I said that's the best form of flattery. People are calling you to, that's to give you spots. I mean, that's you know it. I don't even get called to go to dinner with my friends, so you gotta you, <laughs> you gotta made. So now are you and are also you, um Get Hard is coming out. Okay. With Will Farrell and Kevin. And you're in that? Yeah, I'm in that. Okay. I, I play Farrell's henchman. It's not a big part, but I'm in it. That must have been fun working with those two oh guys. Oh, my God. It's just sit back and, and laugh. It's just because Kevin Hart's out there, man. The He's so them. funny. They're the both. two of them are just a joy. I mean, you know. That's in theaters this week, I think. The 27th? Is okay. It? Maybe I two keep, weeks. I keep seeing the commercials. Yeah. So. So. Cool. Well, I want to thank you for coming on. It's good meeting Thanks. you. Thanks. Fun uh, talking to you. You got any? Uh, do you tweet? You do? What's your social media? You got any? I you? don't do that, and I get yelled at all the time. I do. I have a Tweety Bird thing. I what, just what, don't know how to use it. Do you, what's, what's the account? What's the name? I think it's Paul Ben underscore Victor. Okay. Which isn't the best title, but somebody. Well, that's your name. Yeah. Okay. But you know, it should be like PBV. Well, you could probably get cool that. Guy, you, you should get PDV cool guy, and you should tweet your pictures of your art. That's what you should do it with your art. I'd be giving yeah. a whole different thing. Yeah, well, maybe I, I'm not good at that. And I have friends that do it all day long, and I just, it just, I don't. Do you? Oh, well, do you tweet? Yeah, we'll talk. My Twitter's at Cooper Talk. Yeah, but I tweet a lot of jokes. I tweet a lot of tweet jokes. Stuff. Yeah, because it's yeah. your characters. So do you, you don't do stand up anymore? I do it occasionally. We'll talk. I do stand up. We'll we'll you write talk. me some jokes and I go up there and do yeah, them. I'll write you jokes. I'm good at that. We'll talk after this. We'll talk after this because I got to wrap up. 
because it's my last minute. You know, because we cut off at an hour exactly. No lie, it cuts off exactly at an hour, and it stops, and boom, you're out. That's it. We're done. And we're gonna boom. exactly. So people, well, I'll, I'll get you guys next week. I'll get you his uh, Twitter address. We'll figure it out. Follow me at Cooper Talk. That's at Cooper Talk. Uh, send me an email, Cooper at CooperTalk.net. Go to my website. I have 350 episodes up there. So listen in. Also, go to my new website, StopTheSalt.com. It's my uh, low sodium cooking for one without killing yourself. It's you know because I went through the heart problems a while back, so it's all easy recipes. There's no pictures, so you won't get intimidated. There's a key in the front on how you should make your side dishes, and just it tells you to follow the damn directions. 120 recipes. There's pastas, there's entrees, there's sides, there's sandwiches. It's all good stuff. So go to stopthesalt.com, or you can go to Amazon, but if you go to stopthesalt.com, I can autograph it for you. It's uh, $9.99 plus $3.99 shipping, so check that out. Also, uh, that's about it. Keep following me at Cooper Talk. Email me. Tell me who you want to hear on the show. Cooper at coopertalk.net. So don't forget, I'm Steve Cooper. I'm only as hip as my guests. Don't forget, drink your water, eat your vegetables, take your vitamins. You guys have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you next week.